What up, everyone? Welcome to my podcast, Legit Cool, where I recap, review, and rank movies and TV series. I take a deep dive into each movie and talk about the details in depth. I'm your host, River Villy, and thank you for popping in and supporting the show. If you have joined me for the first time, um, yes, welcome. I already said welcome like three times. But if you are returning back to my podcast, thank you so much for coming back and showing the love. I appreciate it. It really helps the channel. Um, it helps all the fancy technical algorithm stuff that happens online um, with boosting me up to search results. <laughs> so I appreciate you coming back and listening into uh, my episodes. And this is the fifth episode that I've done so far. I've been around for about three weeks, so it's really fun and I'm really enjoying having to do a podcast where I get to talk about the thing that I love to talk about majority of the time, right? So um, if you enjoy the show, hit the notifications so that you know when the next episode drops. Um, and yeah, let's get into this episode. Venom. I'm going to be reviewing Venom Let There Be Carnage. <laughs> now, um, to be honest, I actually wasn't really that excited to go see this at all. And there's only actually one reason why I wanted to go see this. <laughs> it was because I got spoiled something that is quite huge. Something that happens in the mid credit scene. I had it spoiled to me online. Uh, I think I saw it on someone's Instagram. And I kind of knew it was a spoiler. But I thought to myself, I'm not going to go watch the movie. So I'm just going to spoil it anyway. I know I committed some major cinema sins there. Um, <clears throat> sure enough, I clicked on it. I won't spoil what that is right now because I want to talk about that in depth in the spoiler part of this review. But that was the, the real driver as to why I went to see this movie. Um, I don't really want to go see it. I don't like the first one. The first one was um, not what I was expecting it to be. I suppose I probably didn't have a lot of expectations, but when the trailer came out with the first one, I think the first one came out in 2018. And when I saw that trailer, I was like, really, this is gonna be Venom? I think the only thing, the only reason why I wanna go see it is probably just because of Tom Hardy. I mean, Tom Hardy's a great actor, a very, very good actor. And it seemed like a bizarre choice that he would say yes to something like this. Um, I don't wanna say it's a, maybe it was just a cash grab for him because he's so popular, he's, um, he'll, He'll bring bums on seats, you know. He's he, he's a major driver in the mainstream uh, commercial movie sector industry. Yeah, um, yeah, he's he's very popular, so he can definitely drive ticket sales. But I don't want to say it's that. I, maybe he's trying to experiment with something else that's so different to him. But anyway, he ended up doing that Venom movie in 2018, and now he's back for the sequel, Venom. Let there be Cowardish. And um, I'm just going to go through some facts here of the movie. Okay, so uh, what is the movie about? All right, the movie is about Eddie Brock is struggling to coexist with the shape-shifting extraterrestrial Venom. And deranged serial killer Cletus Cassidy also becomes a host to an alien symbiote, Brock and Venom must put their differences aside to stop his reign of terror. Now, if you haven't seen the first one, um, what they're talking about here in the sequel synopsis is that Eddie Brock, who is played by Tom, 
Tom Hardy, he's struggling to uh, make amends with living with this alien thing that is pretty much it's kind of like possessing him for the rest of his life. Um, and he's struggling to uh, try and find some kind of uh, balanced lifestyle with, with with Venom. And and because Cletus Cassidy, who's played by Woody Harrison, which is another surprise casting, not the greatest casting to be honest. Nothing wrong with Woody Harrison. I think he's great in some movies. Just was a miscast for this movie, in my opinion. Um, Cletus Cassidy becomes a host of the Alien Symbiote. Uh, I don't know if they actually show that in the trailer, so I might just not reveal how he becomes um, Carnage in this part. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I'm unsure if actually that's revealed in the trailer, but anyway, I just want to talk about how he gets the Alien Symbiote in the movie. Um, so he becomes like the main villain, hence the subtitle for this movie, Let There Be Carnage. Um, this movie has a rating of PG-13. It has intense sequences of violence and some strong language, so beware under 18ers or under 16ers. Um, this is directed by Andy Serkis, which is his fifth movie, I believe. Yes, that's correct. It's his fifth movie. The previous movie he directed was Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle. I don't know if anybody saw that. I didn't. <laughs> uh, it's produced by Avi Arad, Matthew Tolmac, Amy Pascal, who's actually the president of Sony Pictures, Kelly Marcel, Tom Hardy. Oh, Tom Hardy's a producer in this. Oh, I don't even know that. And Hutch Parker. It's written by Kelly Marcel. Its release date was October 1st, 2021. I believe we got it much later. Oh, yeah, we didn't get it much later. I went to opening a night <laughs> on Wednesday. And it's the 27th on a Saturday today. I went to the opening night. Um, on Wednesday, uh, but worldwide it was released um, October 1st. We were in a lockdown here in Sydney. Its box office gross currently is 206.6 million. It had a budget of 110 million. So they're almost breaking even there and it's still got a few more weeks, but the question is, does it have any legs? Um, we have to see in by the rate of the reviews, I don't think it's going to have very long legs, TBH. Has a runtime of 1 hour and 26 minutes. To me, it actually felt like it was 2 hours. I was kind of bored. <laughs> uh -oh. uh, distributed by Columbia Pictures, a subsidiary of Sony Pictures. And, um, <coughs> excuse me. And that's uh, the main facts of Venom 2. Um, the casts, it has. Like I said, Tom Hardy, Woody Harrison, Michelle Williams, Naomi Harris, Reed Scott, Stephen Graham, Andy, not Andy Circus. That's the crew. Yeah, those guys. So Tom Hardy and Woody Harrison are kind of the main players here. Michelle Williams comes back to reprise her role as the uh, love interest, or spoiler alert here about the first one, ex-love interest. Uh, she's in this movie, and I think all of them do a pretty good job. The only one that doesn't really do a good job is Reed Scott, who plays a character called Dr. Dan Lewis. It's a bit of a, bit of a, you know, no point in being in the movie type character. <laughs> uh, but let me get into this. Uh, what did I think of this? Well, uh, I said this to a friend of mine. You know, maybe if you're drunk going into this, it might be a very good time. <laughs> 
This movie was not very good. I didn't really like it. I didn't even enjoy it. I'm trying to think about parts that I may have enjoyed. And the only thing that I do enjoy about this movie, it's really only one thing. So this review is going to be rather short. I'm actually just going to talk more about what I, um, the mid credit scene that is super important. I'm actually going to talk more about that and the repercussions or the effect that it's going to have more than the actual movie itself because there's really not much to say about the movie. <laughs> it's disappointing. It's very disappointing. Um, I mean, straight off the bat, the, the story itself, it's, it's a very basic, simple story. And not that I'm uh, wanting or asking for a complicated story for a comic book film, but the story was just, it, it didn't really matter to me or it didn't matter to audience members. I guess I'm just going to speak on behalf of audience members now, apparently. No, it, it didn't really matter to me, the story. The story is really about him trying to take down Carnage. Um, and, and there are no real uh, world-alarming consequences to this. Um, or at least that's not what they displayed in, in this film. The, the, like, Carnage... The, what they failed on with Carnage is that he's... He's a guy who's um, who's psychotic and he's a murderer and he's on death row. He has all this very um, very traumatic. He has a lot of, of traumatic past. So um, and he's been on death row for a while and he's just a deranged psychotic person. And when the symbiote becomes attached to him. It just emphasizes all that psychotic behavior and mental illness. Um, but the the Carnage character just goes from one setting into the real world setting, and then that's really about it. And all all he wants to do is just have a like reconnect with his uh, with his love interest, played by Naomi Harris. Is it played by Naomi Harris? Yeah. Um, they dressed her up really well. She plays a character called Shriek, um, and she has these abilities to just scream the eardrums off everybody. Um, yeah, so she's a love interest for uh, Woody Harrelson's character, Cletus Cassidy, who becomes Carnage, and his whole goal is to really just get out of death row and reunite with Shriek. Um, and his only, his only way out of death row is that he gets infected by the symbiote and becomes carnage they get he reunites with shriek and that's all really that happens <laughs> that's literally all that happens and because the symbiote is kind of like a ulterior ulterior no alternative personality um it's kind of like two people like two people one right split personality and so Cletus Cassidy is trying to just leverage being Carnage just so he can get back with Shriek. But then Carnage is far more dominant than him and is actually wanting to take over Cletus a lot more than what Cletus would want to because he only really wants to be a Shriek. But because of that whole dynamic, 
the consequences for the world or the city just becomes nothing. Like, like you forget that they're in a real world. You forget that they're in an actual city with um, the danger being affected by uh, the danger being a problem to civilians, people of New York City. Wait, they're not New York City. I think they're in San Francisco. Like, there's no danger to them. There's no real kind of ticking time bomb going on, so to speak. So that's really all the story. And with Eddie Brock, like, if, if there is a sub-story, the, the sub-story to the main plot is that Eddie Brock is trying to just live with Venom. And um, <clears throat> I think that would have served, a, served to be a much more interesting story if it was hardline focused on that relationship between Venom and Eddie Brock. I think that would have developed to be a far more interesting story. Instead, they wanted to go with the whole antagonist and protagonist thing. That's not a bad, that's not a bad thing. I mean, all these, all these movies, all these comic book movies are about the antagonists and the protagonists. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, that's what they're all about, but it, it's how you make it grounded and it's, how, it's, it's all about how you make it relative to your audience members. Your audience members are people who need to try and care about these characters and the, and the potential consequences that come out of these events. Okay, so, and, and they fail on that miserably when it's only really about Venom and uh, Carnage going head to head. But they, they they don't show how this is going to be a consequence to the public or to the city itself. It's it's all it's all centered around this climactic battle inside a ruined church where there's no one around. <laughs> but it's in the middle of the city. But you just don't see public. You're like I'm kind of wondering like where 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 are the police? Where are the army? You know, where's where's uh, the defense force or something? Like it just doesn't. It just doesn't, uh, it's empty, it's hollow. And, and I don't even care about why, like, why that's happening because I can't relate to it. Um, but the way, yeah, going back to Tom Hardy playing Eddie Brock, it just would have been nice to see him spend the entire movie, if not make that the focal point of him, uh, going through this inner struggle this this battle between trying to live with venom and the departure of venom and then venom coming back or giving us a good reason why venom will come back all these all these different ways of telling that story could have just been focused on that and then make the whole venom and carnage uh plot as a subplot rather than a main plot i think that would have worked out to be a bit of a bit of balanced movie but yeah, I mean, ultimately they they just um, Cletus becomes Carnage. Um, Eddie Brock departs with Venom, and then Venom comes back. Um, Cletus breaks out of the prison and death row because he becomes Carnage. Tries to get back with Shriek. There's a love interest that you get introduced to at the beginning of the film. Michelle Williams, the ex of Eddie Brock um, they have a, a a very kind of awkward relationship now Eddie Brock still has feelings for her but she doesn't have feelings for him 
but if she does, they're a little bit repressed and they try and hint at the fact that Michelle Williams is still kind of likes him, but I'm kind of unsure because it's not really fleshed out. Um, she's now in a relationship with a guy called Dr. Dan Lewis, played by Reed Scott. Um, he's pretty disposable. He does nothing really in this movie. He's only really there to show that she's moved on, but he doesn't get given anything to do other than this just weird um, contribution that he does in the in battle sequence. It just made no sense why he would be contributing. It was very random and I didn't care for it. Um, and that's the story. That's really it. And there's nothing, there's nothing that really happens in this movie other than them leading up to this battle sequence that you can see from a mile away. Uh, Stephen Graham, who plays the Detective Mulligan, he's got a cool, interesting story that plays a pivotal part in the entire story. So his character arc um, contributes well to the story. And so he needed to be there, which is good. But at the same time, it wasn't actually fleshed out very well. Um, uh, not fleshed out in the sense that um, they could have given us more. They showed us his background when he was younger and how um, he gets into the position that he is at present day. And that's cool, but we wanted a bit more of that. Same with like Cletus. We, we get a little bit of his background. Um, right, I think it's right at the beginning of the movie. We get a little bit of his background and that's really all. Like all these characters that are in this film were, were given, or at least the ones that they want us to focus on, were given bite sizes of their backgrounds. And that's really about it. It's not enough screen time for any of these characters to show us that I could actually care about this character throughout the whole runtime of one hour and 26 minutes. But I really didn't. And they are, the irony is that the movie felt way longer than an hour and 26 minutes but i think it's just a display of them trying to drag out as much as they can um, without really doing anything it's a huge disappointment and i mean this is the first andy circus to <coughs> me this is the first andy circus andy circus Ugh, can't speak english this is the first anti-sex. <laughs> this is the first Andy Circus directed film I've seen, and unfortunately, it's just not great. And I don't want to say that about someone who I highly respect as a creative. Uh, he's a great actor, awesome actor, great physical performer, probably one of the best physical performers in mocap, maybe ever. I think, but um. Maybe directing is not your thing. Like, the movie isn't complete trash. I wouldn't give the movie 0 out of 10. But I'll probably give it like a 4 or 5. It's very, very low. Um, just just not very good. Maybe, maybe directing is not your thing. <laughs> oh yeah, at the same time, um, maybe the highest compliment I can give him is that I couldn't tell that this is... This is his, like fifth movie or even if it was his first i couldn't tell that it was like a first time director or directorial debut or whatever couldn't because it's not that bad there's still a structure there there's a act one act two act three structure going on and they fly through the story while also keeping me very very bored 
which is why I thought it was more than like two hours. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's that's my overall impression of the film. Uh, I think I'm just gonna dump uh, jump right into spoilers. So this is a massive spoiler, big 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 spoiler warning. If you haven't seen the movie and you want to check out now, you just want to hit pause and then come back. Then this is your chance. All right, let me get into it. Okay, the only thing <laughs> that I actually want to talk about <laughs> is the mid-credit scene. Okay, now this mid-credit scene, um, you've seen the movie by now, because or if you, even if you haven't seen the movie by now and you just want to hear the spoilers, let me explain what this scene is. So right at the end of the film, Eddie Brock, Tom Hardy's sitting on a beach. He's on holiday after his big battle against Carnage. He's looking into the sunset. Um, then it gets into the credits and then it jumps into this new scene where he's still on holiday but he's in like the batch or something like that he's in like the holiday part of the holiday but he's in the home of wherever he's on holiday maybe he's in like Indonesia or something so he's lying down on the bed and he's talking to Venom they're having this conversation back and forth and Venom says you know, I'm paraphrasing, I can't remember exactly what he says, but he, sa he says that there's a lot of things I haven't told you, Eddie. A lot of things. I have like millions of years or light years of knowledge that I haven't shared with you. And then Eddie's like, okay, well, why don't you share with me? He's like, are you sure you're ready for this? He said, yeah, go ahead. And then as he goes to say something, the whole setting just flips. Well, maybe not the whole setting. Um, we see that it goes from sunlight to I don't know. Is it like I don't I don't know if it was nighttime. It might have been nighttime, but basically the whole atmosphere switches, like as if somebody clicked and they were transported into a different place, but they were still in the batch. But outside was the most obvious thing that changed. And so it it just completely flipped. And Eddie Brock was like, what the hell was that? What did you do? And Venom says, I didn't do that. And then immediately I, I got chills straight away. And I was like, oh, holy shit. This is the first thing that we've seen of Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, I completely lost my shit in the cinema. <laughs> The only thing I got excited about in this. Um, yeah, that whole flip, um, if you're unsure on what that is, that is actually a moment that happens in Spider-Way No Way Home. The movie that's coming out in December 16th? 17th? December 16th, 17th? Yeah. That's the huge MCU property that we've all been waiting for for a very, very long time. And that's going to be a huge review, by the way. Um, so that's actually the first time that we see something in Spider-Man No Way Home. And before anybody starts to think right now, what do you mean? If you're unsure about what's happening with the whole Sony-verse and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, I won't go into it in depth because this will be a very, very long episode if I talk about uh, what is the Sony universe versus the Marvel Cinematic Universe and how are they different and why are they together. Let me just um, catch up really, really quick. Sony owns the property of Spider-Man and Spider-Man has these, um, uh, Spider-Man is also 
uh, involved with Venom in the comics. And so Sony owns all these properties, Venom, Carnage, Spider-Man, and all the other villains that are attached to Spider-Man. Um, and as some of you may have noticed that there is a Spider-Man inside the Marvel Studios movies, i.e. Spider-Man Far From Home, Spider-Man Homecoming, and then the one that comes out in December is Spider-Man No Way Home. So that's a Marvel Studios property. It's not necessarily a Sony property. It is Sony, but it's not a Sony property at this. Well, it's a Sony, okay. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. It is a Sony property, but that they're, they are lending or loaning Spider-Man to the Marvel Cinematic Universe so that he can be a part of the MCU. But in the Sony world, they still have a Spider-Man or they have a bunch of Spideys. That is Tobey Maguire that came out in the early 2000s. That's uh, Andrew Garfield, which is the Amazing Spider-Man series. Uh, that was only two Spider-Man, uh, two movies for Amazing Spider-Man, I think. Um, <clears throat> directed by a guy called Mark Webb. How cool is that? <laughs> kind of cringe, actually. Um, yeah, and then we've got Spider-Man played by Tom Holland, who is who, who was casted for the MCU, the Marvel Studios properties. Um, and so this scene that we see at the end or in the mid credits is their way of connecting or it's it's actually the officially the first connection they've made to the Sony verse by putting Venom into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, let me just clear that up again. I'm just going to I'm going to refine that and simplify it and clear that up again. There is Sony Pictures, which has Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, all came out in the early 2000s and mid-2000s. Then you have Venom, which came out in 2018, and then you have Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which came out this year. Okay, that's the Sony stuff. Now, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is Marvel Studios, when you're watching one of these, one of their movies, it has Marvel Studios at the beginning of the film or around about the beginning of the film as the introduction, okay? And in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you have Tom Holland Spider-Man. Now, those are two different universes, Sony and Marvel Cinematic Universe, okay? What's happened recently, since all the trailers have come out, I think there's, uh, there's actually only two official Spider-Man No Way Home trailers. And in those trailers, we see that there are villains from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie, i.e. Sony Universe. Okay? We see that those villains have crossed over into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. How they've crossed over, we're unsure. We have a lot of theories. We obviously see what happens in the trailers. But I'm not going to get into that because I'm going to nerd out for hours otherwise. <laughs> I'm actually going to nerd out on that type of stuff uh, for the Spider-Man no, Spider No Way Home. But that's what they've decided to do. They've decided to integrate the two universes together. And when I'm saying that this is the first time that we've seen a Sony Universe character, i.e. Venom, Eddie Brock, be a part of the crossover, this is the first time we've seen something is because we see it in the mid credit scene. 
we haven't seen it, and, and that's the first glimpse of our, uh, Spider-Man Way Home. And so as, as the scene progresses, we know that it's Spider-Man, or I, I know it's Spider-Man No Way Home. One, I got it spoiled on Instagram, but two, I didn't see the whole universe switch. But as soon as that happens, I'm like, oh, I'm immediately <coughs> thinking, this is Spider-Man No Way Home. And then he, he comes up out of the bed and he notices that the television or the TV program, TV program? No. Yeah, the television network that he's watching changes because Eddie Brock works for the Daily Bugle and in the Spider-Man universe, in the Sony universe, I should say, the Daily Bugle only exists in New York. And for some reason, Eddie Brock works for the Daily Bugle as a reporter. He's like a low-life depressed uh, a reporter. He's a reporter for the Daily Bugle, but in San Francisco. And so when he sees the Daily Bugle, he sees a different um, editor, I suppose, which is actually played by J.K. Simmons, because he's a part of that Sony universe. And he's talking about, uh, he's, it's breaking news about the, um, the character reveal. <laughs> what am I trying to say here? It's breaking news um, that uh, they've uncovered the identity of Spider-Man. Which is Tom Holland, and so Bro Eddie Brock sees this, and he's looking on screen, or Venom's looking on the screen, looking at the TV screen, saying, "Oh, he looks tasty. He looks tasty." And it's freaking Tom Holland from the Marvel Cinematic Universe that's on screen. And and then that's the whole scene. I mean, at the end of it, there's another guy that comes out of the bathroom, and he's like, "What, dude? What are you doing in my room?" Because he's clearly been transported into a different universe. And everybody that's watching that scene that has no idea about what's happening with the Sony universe and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or let alone knowing that there are two different universes that now coexist and they're colliding, a lot of them are like, are probably thinking, what the hell? The only thing they're familiar with is that there's Venom and then there's Tom Holland. So it might not be a huge surprise to them because they're like, oh, wow, Spider-Man is going to meet Venom if they're... You know not very clued up on this whole thing and they might just be like oh okay cool but there's a lot of other things that that is in the public eye and that's the, that a lot of fans and like myself and um everybody in the fan community are talking have been talking for years about how they're going to do these crossovers and it's it's a major discussion within the community but um it's not i suppose common knowledge for a lot of people to know that Sony owns a certain property and they've just um, allowed Marvel Studios to borrow that type of stuff. Anyway, so that's huge, huge stuff for us nerds and fans. <laughs> but for a lot of people, they might just be like, oh, maybe a little bit confused, don't know what's really going on, all that type of stuff. But yeah, I've explained it in this episode. I, I think I explained it okay. Um, Forgive me if I just confuse the hell out of you, but maybe just replay, um, <laughs> replay back a little bit, a few few minutes or something like that. But yeah, so that that's actually the most exciting thing about this movie, Venom: Let There Be Carnage, because <laughs> it's it's just exciting for me as as a fan. And if you're if you're an MCU fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly how to relate to this whole thing. It's it's quite groundbreaking and. 
I'm pretty damn excited to see what happens with Spider-Man No Way Home. It's gonna change a lot of things, it's gonna shape up the uh, phase four of MCU. And we're gonna see a lot of cool things, I think. Um, yeah, I guess the only other spoiler, <coughs> excuse me, the only other spoiler is, is that Carnage dies, or Woody Harrison's character dies at the end. Um, I think uh, Shriek, does she die? I can't even remember. <laughs> See, that's how forgettable this movie is to me. I can't even remember who else died. I'm pretty sure Shriek died. Maybe she didn't, I don't know. Just correct me if I'm wrong if uh, she, she didn't die. Um, all very disposable. It's a shame for, I feel sorry for Tom Hardy because he's such a talented actor and it's not like he did a bad job in this movie. I don't think anybody did a bad job in this. Like everyone was, was good. It's just the characters are very uninteresting. Story is very boring very forgettable don't care about the characters if all of them died i mean i would even venture as far as saying it's even if eddie brock died tom hardy's character i honestly probably wouldn't have cared <laughs> it's just that bad all right so i'm going to give this a four out of ten um and if you have listened to this episode so far um good on you well done <laughs> the only biggest takeaway for you is probably the fact that I explained that whole Sony universe and also the mate universe thing. <laughs> oh man, I'm a mess. And forgive me again, apologies again for being sick and coughing and uh, sniffing. <laughs> it's not the most attractive thing to have on a, on a podcast, but hey, I wanted to release some more episodes this week and um, yeah, I just want to keep consistent with that. So yeah, I appreciate you putting up with. Uh, putting up with this um i guess that just brings me to the end of it yeah my rating is like four out of ten i'm just gonna rest on that i'm gonna die on that hill and if you're a person that really enjoyed this the movie um i'm sorry that i have to say something really negative not something but everything um, about this movie being negative um but you know movies are up for for all of us to share our opinions that's what i love about um movies and the creative medium is that there's always going to be differing opinions not everybody's going to agree on something there are going to be standouts there are going to be movies that are just undeniably incredibly good um with a small portion of people not really liking it you know <laughs> um uh but with that being said i'm going to bring this to a close uh thank you so much for dropping in and hanging out listening to my perspective on movies Hopefully it opened up the movie a bit more for you, perhaps changed your mind or you found some kind of alignment. Nonetheless, we're all here because we share a love of storytelling for the big screen. Um, check out my social media, uh, social media stuff. <laughs> check out my socials. <laughs> my Instagram is at legit podcasts, at legit cool podcast, I should say. I shouldn't say that wrong, right? At legit cool podcast <laughs> uh, my facebook you have to type in it's a little bit long so forgive me for this uh, you have to type in legit cool movies and sometimes tv series reviews that's on facebook um my name is uh Rivelli and i will catch you in the next episode of legit cool bye everyone <laughs>